Beyond Belief on Claire FM. Dr. Gladys Ganiel is a lecturer and researcher at Queen's University in Belfast in the Senator John J. Mitchell Institute for Global Peace, Security and Justice. One of her research interests is the role of religion on the island of Ireland and last month saw the publication of her report on how churches have been coping and reacting to the pandemic. And I'm delighted to say that Dr. Ganiel joins us now from Belfast. Welcome to Beyond Belief. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Well, obviously, the pandemic has has caused fundamental changes on how we worship uh, in this island. How did you go about finding what the churches were doing now? Well, the first thing I did was conduct a survey of clergy on the entire island of Ireland. So I was obviously really curious about how faith communities were adopting. So I thought the best people to ask would be the clergy. So the Irish Council of Churches helped facilitate this by distributing um, a link to the survey questionnaire on which we asked questions about how religion was moved online, how funerals were being conducted, about pastoral care, about stress levels, about interchurch cooperation. So a fairly broad-ranging survey. And we tried to reach um, all denominations and other faith groups, you know, as many people um, as we could. And that survey came back um, with good responses, about 435 responses. And then following on from the survey between May and December, I conducted a series of 32 follow-up in-depth interviews with clergy to get, I suppose, a deeper picture about the way that churches were responding to the pandemic. And your report is called Something Other Than a Building. Uh, And I suppose it's clear that with the restrictions that are preventing us coming together in worship, churches have been stepping warily into the internet. How easy have clergy found that? I mean, I think it varies across the board. So, I suppose one of the most striking findings from the survey was that before the pandemic, about 56% of parishes and congregations had some sort of online provision. Now, within a couple weeks, um, the original survey was conducted in May. So within a few weeks of the lockdown, 87% of congregations had uh, online provision. So that is a huge jump and it happened very quickly. So very, clergy's experiences varied in terms of how much background, I suppose, they had themselves, information technology specialists. But in many cases, um, lay people, volunteers from congregations or parishes helped um, to set up the, the online provision And some denominations say like the Methodist Church was very good at putting on workshops and trainings and so forth uh, for their ministers came back in the survey results that Methodists felt they had gotten a lot of support from their denomination in this particular area. And across the board, I think clergy and congregations actually adopted quite well to this. Um, And they recognized the need that people had to see people from their local faith communities. Yes, you could point people to the services on RTE or BBC and say, you know, watch those or listen to those. But people liked to see their own um, faith community, their own minister, um, their own people doing the readings and singing the songs. You know, it was that sort of sense of community that the local offerings um, had for people. Now, the title of the report, Something Other Than a Building, this quote was taken from a Presbyterian minister in Northern Ireland that I interviewed. And what this minister was saying that what had happened during the pandemic 
is that people in the congregation have been forced to not think of church as only what they do inside the building on a Sunday morning. And of course, you know, at one level, before the pandemic, people knew that this is true. You know, your Christians are meant to live their lives of faith out in the world. But the pandemic really forced people to do that in a sense that they began to think, well, what do we do, you know, to serve our wider communities, to go outside our four walls and, you know, Um, offer what we can to people, whether that's dropping off prescriptions or helping out with the food bank or continuing our social services. How do we how do we do that? And at the same time, how do we worship in ways when we can't actually get inside our buildings because yeah. of the, the restrictions? So it captured both the online aspect of not being able to meet inside a church building and the aspect of people being forced, I suppose, outside the four walls of their church to live out lives of service in a Christian way. <laughs> We're talking about uh, online services and things, but of course, particularly in in rural Ireland, we have a a vast digital divide, whether we're in the north or the south, and certainly here on the west coast of County Clare, we have a lot of people who who have trouble getting even a phone signal. What ways have clergy found to, to reach people who don't have the internet? Well, I suppose clergy had to get creative and clergy who were in those situations were very aware of this. Um, And many of them did the old fashioned things, you know, they literally sat down at their desks and wrote letters and and posted them um, so people would receive them in the mail. Some clergy um, took walks and and would go and um, stand outside uh, parishioners' houses for a bit of a chat and pastoral care if that was necessary. One uh, priest I spoke to bought a dog and walking the dog gave him opportunities, you know, to minister Mm. in the community. Other priests spoke of just, you know, on their daily allotted exercise time, walking through the parish and encountering people in a socially distanced way to try to bring some sort of ministry in very constrained circumstances. And of course, um, we talk about letters being old fashioned, you know, picking up a telephone, actually using your telephone for a phone call rather than some sort of application. You know, people uh, spoke a lot on the phone and did a lot of pastoral care over the phone as well. Funerals have been difficult uh, for clergy. One priest um, said that actually conducting funerals under COVID conditions has been one of the most difficult things that he's had to do as a priest. I think clergy feel very constrained that they can't do the normal human interaction thing, which might be to put a hand on a shoulder, uh, give somebody a hug, you know, just to come alongside people in that very physical way. So they have tried to do their best, you know, in terms of telephone calls or the socially distanced funeral services, you know, follow up phone call visits, as it were, if you want to call a phone call a visit. So they have tried to adjust. But at the same time, I think there's a recognition that it's not the type of grieving process that we would normally have. So there are concerns that there's going to be a great deal of unprocessed grief for people who have been bereaved during the pandemic and that this will continue to be a pastoral care issue, you know, going forward. Did you get the feeling that clergy were sort of thinking that uh, they look forward to when their churches can reopen and they can then discard all the video equipment and get back to how things were? Were they thinking that they would continue this after the pandemic? Well, we asked a question on the survey and 70% of clergy said that they would continue with at least some aspects of their online ministry after the pandemic. So I think what has happened is that uh, clergy and faith communities have seen a value in online ministries. So, for instance, one of the surprising things about the research has been the large number of people who are accessing 
online services. Now, it's far more people are viewing these services than would ever pass through the doors of a church building. And it's really hard to to say who these people are, whether they're Christians from other denominations, whether they're uh, people who would not identify with the religion. We can't really say that for sure, but we but we can see is that more people are accessing the online services. So this has led some clergy to think, well, the internet is like a mission field. We shouldn't abandon it <laughs> after the, the pandemic. And at the same time, many parishes have added extra services. So for instance, um, rosary or compline services have become quite popular. And you might get, you know, 40, 50 people gathering for a parish compline service in some parts of Ireland online and praying for each other and supporting each other. So this is the sort of thing that I think might continue after the pandemic, as well as, you know, the the streaming services that we had before the pandemic for shut-ins or people who couldn't get out um, because of illness and so forth. Have you found that the pandemic has increased the number of lay people, the amount of lay involvement? Yes, this is also something that's come out very strongly in the research that lay people really stepped up. And across all denominations, um, new volunteers came forward for things like um, technical assistance, you know, getting services online or putting the services um, together. So technical assistance and lay people also stepped up when it came time to reopen church buildings. So, you know, helping cordon off and set up the buildings so that there was a good flow of people throughout to maintain social distancing and stewarding these sorts of things. Within the the Protestant uh, denominations, less so in the Catholic Church, lay people also seemed to be taking on an increasing role in assisting ministers with pastoral care. And a lot of this is already down to some of the structures that exist within Protestant denominations, say Presbyterian elders, um, for instance, um, would probably already have some sort of pastoral care function in their congregation anyway. Um, And with the increased need um, with the effects of the pandemic and the lockdown, they were increasingly assisting ministers with pastoral care as well. I'm interested to know whether the situation that we find ourselves in now has increased the amount of interdenominational cooperation. Do you see much more coming together for joint worship between the different denominations? Well, I think this varies um, at the local level and at the national level. So at local level, quite often parishes and congregations have been preoccupied with, you know, getting online, serving their congregation, maintaining their um, social services projects for the wider community. Um, And that in those cases, interchurch contact, you know, hasn't continued to the extent that it it might have as uh, very understandably congregations and parishes have been preoccupied with the immediate response to the pandemic. Now, most people I spoke to didn't think that this would damage local level interchurch relationships. It was almost as if a pause button had been hit and maybe now there would be more focused attention on renewing some of those relationships. But the more interesting thing, I think, is at the national level of interchurch relationships, there has probably been more sustained and higher quality contact than there has at any other time in Irish church history. So, I mean, that's quite a claim. Um, But basically what has happened is that facilitated through the Irish Council of Churches and the Irish Interchurch Meeting, which are the national level structures for interchurch relationships on the island, there have been a number of meetings, say, for instance, of the Church Leaders Group, which consists of the Catholic and Church of Ireland, Archbishops of Armagh, the Presbyterian Moderator, and the Methodist President. 
And the church leaders group has, you know, cooperated on liaising with governments and making statements around a number of issues such as, I suppose, supporting the government position in terms of closing church buildings when it was necessary for them to be closed and around reopening buildings safely and so forth. And this church leaders group at one point uh, was meeting virtually you know, nearly every two weeks, which is an unprecedented level of interchurch contact, really. And even beyond the pandemic related issues, which I suppose have sort of forced this sustained cooperation, the group has considered issues such as Brexit and dealing with the past in Northern Ireland and is, has tried to make statements and provide some perspective to policymakers around these issues as well. I think that in the context where there is increased secularization on the island of Ireland, the move towards Christian unity, if you want to, to call it that, maybe is could be accelerated by the pandemic and maybe something that is necessary if churches are going to continue to expect to have some sort of public voice in a secularizing context. The unity of the Christian churches might be more important than ever. One thing we haven't mentioned is the financial implications of all this. What uh, what did your clergy have to say about how they're being affected financially? Well, basically, everybody has taken a hit, um, you know, across the board, not being able to pass the collection plate. You know, donations are down and donations are also down in part because, you know, some people may have lost their job or just don't have the financial resources that they normally would have. So there are constrained circumstances. Again, this really varies depending on the denomination or the diocese or the particular local area. So you can't really make um huge generalizations about it. But I mean, there would be concerns in some, say, rural areas where, you know, one priest or one minister might look after several parishes that this could accelerate a trend where some of those church buildings will have to close in the years ahead, just because they have taken such a a hit financially from the pandemic. I suppose there is that realization that this could be something that's, that's coming down the road for people. And it is a source of stress. And that's just another aspect of stress to add into the mix, I suppose, for ministers who are already facing very challenging circumstances in terms of, you know, providing pastoral care, getting their services online and conducting funerals um, as well. But there was a recognition amongst all clergy, I think, that they needed support structures. So where they didn't already exist within their denomination, clergy were, I suppose, um, seeking them out and were very aware that this was something that they should do and for their own um, benefit and for their own mental health. I mean, one of the things that struck me about the research was the number of clergy who said they actually felt guilty that they weren't doing enough (laughs) to respond to the pandemic. And, you know, when all the, the data came back to me about how much clergy and churches were actually doing, I thought, well, this is quite an impressive response. But at the same time, they felt that they should be doing more. So the sense that, you know, they need to reach out to others uh, to help them process these challenges and these difficulties is a really important issue, I think. Yeah. Uh, So just looking ahead the next five or 10 years, what permanent changes do you think the pandemic would have made to the way that we worship? Well, I mean, I think the online stuff is here to stay. You know, the fact that 70% of ministers want to keep at least some aspects of online ministry is very striking. So we'll have more blended online and in-person services, I think, across the board. And the other um, trend, I suppose, you know, we talked about the increase in volunteerism. 
and the idea of thinking of church as something other than a building, you know, not just the worship on a Sunday, but this idea of wider service and greater lay involvement. There is the potential for this to take hold and to revitalize lay involvement and intensify people's faith, I suppose. Yet on the other hand, one thing we haven't mentioned is that there's also a risk that some people may never come back to church as well. So this is kind of a counter to the increased volunteerism, the idea that some people will be lost from the church-going masses, as it were, as a result of the pandemic. Um, There's been other research carried out by the Iona Institute that found that one in five regular Catholic mass goers don't know if they'll return to mass once all lockdown restrictions end. So if you look at that, you could say, well, it's possible, you know, one in five people are never coming back to church. So congregations could be smaller. So they could be blended, they could be smaller, yet the people who remain could be quite committed, committed to their church and committed to serving uh, the wider community. Dr. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and it's been a fascinating conversation. And thank you for the report. If people want to have a look at the report, um, can they look at it somewhere? Yes, you can go to the Irish Council of Churches website, which is irishchurches.org. Very good. Well, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you. This podcast is produced by the Beyond Belief team. Join us on Sunday at a quarter to eight for Sunday prayer and at 9pm for Beyond Belief.